Are you ready for God's word? Amen. Amen. Today, guys, um, I want to share with you that you're going to have to listen good. First, you got to listen fast, and then you have to listen attentively and, uh, and really, really look to, to not, not zone out. One of the ch- most challenging messages I've preached uh, this sermon series definitely is this one. We've got a lot to cover, and a lot of it is technical. You've got a lot of moving parts and comparing and contrasting and drawing correlations and all sorts of things that we're going to be doing. So I want, you to, I want you to get your thinking cap on. I want you to lean forward. That's why I ask you, are you ready for God's Word? That way you'll be, you'll be excited. I think when you lean forward, you're, you're able to absorb more, right? So uh, you say, Pastor, do I have to lean forward? Not physically. I'm saying like, like mentally, right? Lean forward. Be ready to go. Amen. So uh, I haven't decided if we're concluding the sermon series today or next week. Either way, that's not as important as what we got to cover today. Today, the subject or the title of today's message is the tower. The tower. What tower? Specifically, the Tower of Babel or Babel, the Tower of Babel. Now, that's a story that many of you may already be familiar with, but today we're going to talk about it in, a, in, in fresh light. We're going to go deeper, and we're going, to, we're going to talk about the fact that I believe, and many believe, that the Tower of Babel will be rebirthed. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is that when you hear Babel, you should, you should think Babylon, because Babel is equated with Babylon, meaning it's the same area. And they weren't just building a tower. The Bible says they were building a city, a city that would be known as Babylon. And so something I want you to know is that Babylon has already come twice. It will come a third time. What I mean by that is you have the Tower of Babel in Babylon. It's the first city of Babylon. And then God destroyed that by uh, coming down, and and you'll you'll hear it today. And then... um, you have the second time that it came to be, that is during Daniel's time, when Daniel prophesied during the, the reign of King Nebuchadnezzar. And King Nebuchadnezzar was that head of gold in Daniel's statue and prophetic, prophetic uh, statue uh, prophecy, where he uh, says, you were that king of gold, or that head of gold, the, the king that is over, over the nations. And so Babylon was, during that time, Babylon fell to the Medes and the Persians, even as Daniel predicted. And then you will have it rise again in the end times. How do we know this? Because the Bible tells us this in the book of Revelations, that that mystery Babylon, that Babylon will rise again. Something else I want you to know is that the more studying I do, the more studying I do about the mystery religions or the the different... um, religious systems from, from different ancient groups, they all coalesce, they all come back to one basic uh, uh, system, and that is the mystery Babylon system that was started there by Nimrod. Nimrod was the leader of the rebellion against God and the head builder of this Tower of Babel. And so we'll talk about this as we go. And you might say, well, pastor, I know, I know enough, but maybe you haven't heard some of these facts that we'll share today. And so are you with me? 
If you're with me, let's start by reading our focal passage, and I'm, I'm bringing it out of the, the uh, New Living Translation because uh, I just wanted it to be easy to understand, and then we'll go to the, uh, the, the ESV in, in later readings, but let's read here now. Then they said, come, let's build a great city. Now, some versions say a great work. People have referred to this as a, the great work that they were building. We'll talk more about that as we go along. But come, let us build a great city, highlighting they're building more than just a tower, right? For ourselves, with a tower that reaches into the sky, this will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. Now, there's a lot of facts there that I'm going to highlight for you. But first and foremost, he says, come, let's build a great city. So it's not just a tower, it's a city for ourselves. They're not building it for God or someone else. They're very selfish in their motive. Let's keep going. To reach to the sky. In one version, it says to the heavens or the stars. So they want to go high. We'll talk more about that as we go along. To make themselves famous. Now, I want you to think about this. If we're the only people on the face of the earth, who are we going to be famous to? Keep going with me. And keep us from being scattered all over the world. Every part of that verse is significant, and we're going to uncover it. Come on. Now, uh, one thing I need, to, I need to kind of catch us up on is the Tower of Babel story is taking place in Genesis 11. Now, let's go back to Genesis 1. What happens in Genesis 1? God creates the heavens and the earth, right? And in six days, he creates all that needs to be created, and then he rests on the seventh day. We know that part of creation was man, man and woman. He created us in his image, right? And so he puts us in the garden. It's not long after uh, chapter 1, we get in chapter 3, that Eve ruins it for all of us guys. Uh, No, I'm just kidding. The Bible says that Adam sinned through one man. Sin came into the world, not through Eve, but through man. Adam uh, is credited for that in the book of Romans. And so we know that the fall takes place in in chapter three. They are excommunicated from the garden. And now they have to tend for them or... uh, Yeah, they have to tend uh, this earth and, and, and really make a way for themselves. We have two children that are born to them. They're not the only two, but they're the two that are highlighted in chapter four. They get into a violent altercation where Cain kills his brother Abel. And from there, it just spirals all the way downhill. Can we agree that when you start killing your brother, you're going nowhere fast? And so he kills his brother, and and things just unravel. And the Bible says that violence fills the earth by chapter 6. Violence fills the earth, and evil fills the earth. And there is so much treachery and evil and and murder that the Bible says that God is burdened that he created man, and he vows to destroy the earth and start over. And this is where we pick it up, because the Bible talks about something very, very specific that I want to highlight now. Listen to what the Bible says. The Nephilim, now you go, whoa, pastor, you're going to jump in there that quick? The Nephilim. Now, how many of you have an idea of what Nephilim are? Raise your hand. How many, let let me put it this way, how many do not have an idea of what Nephilim are? Okay, I'll give it to you quick. They're hybrid. They're hybrid between the human species and fallen angels. If you want to hear more about that, you can go to uh, a message I did 
not this Resurrection Sunday, but the Resurrection Sunday before, that would be 2022. And um, in that Resurrection Sunday series, it's entitled, Jesus is Coming. I have an entire message where I, I talk about the days of Noah. Because Jesus says, let me highlight for you the days of Noah. Be considerate of that, because that's what the earth is going to be like when I return. Ooh. And I said that the days of Noah, days of Noah and the days of Lot, I covered the whole thing. And I said the days of Noah were marked by genetic manipulation and the days of Lot were marked by sexual immorality. And you see that happening in the earth today. So if you want to listen to more, go listen to that. But let's read this, this verse here. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days. And also, come on, say it with me afterward. They were in those days and also afterward. Wow. When the sons of God came into the daughters of man and they bore children to them, these were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Now I want to highlight that afterward because we're just going to talk about how God is, is um, indicating to us through his word that the afterword is found right there in the story of the Tower of Babel. That afterward, in those days, Nephilim were on the earth and also after. You ready? All right. So let's go to Genesis 10, verse 6 through 10. Because the individual that's going to be responsible for this tower is talked about right here in these passages. The sons of Ham... You go, pastor, you start in the middle. It's hard to kind of start from the, like, read the whole Bible in one message. That's why you got you to gotta read up, amen? This is, we're, we're people of the word, amen? So if you're not reading your Bible, I want you to get your Bible out and start reading it. Start reading it. But I'll catch you up real quick. Ham is one of Noah's sons that made it through the flood. When God started over with Noah, he started over with eight people. Noah and his wife, his three sons, uh-oh, where am I at? Yeah, let's go like this. His three sons and their three wives, okay? Ham was the younger son that was cursed by God for dishonoring his father. He was, he had, he had issues, and so his father Noah pronounces a curse on him. Some say he wasn't necessarily pronouncing a curse. He was just prophesying what this, what this young son was going to end up doing because he had, he had a horrible direction. Come on, dads. When you see your son pointing in the wrong direction, you don't have to be a prophet. All you have to say is, hey, this is what I see that's going to happen if you don't turn around. And, and the Bible doesn't indicate that he turned around very much because he gives he, he fathers this guy named Nimrod, but, but stay with me on this. The sons of Ham, Cush, Egypt, Put, and Canaan. Those were the sons of Ham. Now, Cush had Sheba, Havelah, Sabata, and Ramah, and Sabzeka. These were the sons of Cush. Do you see Nimrod in that list? Now, why is it that when we go to verse 8, the Bible says, Cush fathered Nimrod? Because Nimrod isn't a name, it's a title. You want to know what the title means? 
the rebellious one or the one who rebels against God. You don't want that title. That's also known as an antichrist title. It's an antichrist title, and I want to submit to you this is the first antichrist. And then you have, you have that uh, the enemy has tried to raise up antichrists through the ages, but the ultimate one is coming, and he will try to rebuild this Tower of Babel. Now, I want you to think the Tower of Babel indicates a rebellion of, to God. We'll talk about that very clearly, but it also means a gathering of the people in doing what God asked them not to do. And so you'll see this over the next two messages uh, pretty, pretty clearly. And now let's talk about this guy named Nimrod. What was he up to? What, what did he do? Now watch. He was the first on the earth to be a mighty man. There's that word mighty. Remember, in those days there were Nephilim. They were mighty. Same root word in the Hebrew. Same root word. What does that mean? Well, let's keep going. He was a mighty hunter before. Now, I'm highlighting some things. When I highlight some things, really take note of them. He was a mighty hunter before. This is bad. This is a bad thing. You mean, pastor, it's wrong to hunt? No, it's not wrong to hunt. The Lord said it's okay. What was he hunting? Think about that. What was he hunting? Let's keep going. Therefore, it is said... Like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord, the beginning of the kingdom, of his kingdom was Babel, Iraq, the rest of these places in the land of Shinar. So you have there, he settles these places specifically in the land of Shinar, and he settles Babel. So this is what I'm going to highlight for you. God says, in those days that were Nephilim, and also after the flood, I'm going to show you that God confirms his word with three witnesses. How? With three points in these scriptures. In Genesis 6, 11 and Genesis 6, 4. The three specific phrases are before the Lord, mighty, mighty men, and renowned or name. You don't have to consider it too much. I'll highlight it right up here, and I'll put it right up on the screen in a second. But let's keep going. See, in Genesis 6, Genesis 6 is before the flood. Genesis 10 is after the flood, all right? So in Genesis 6, the Bible says, now the earth was corrupt in God's sight before the Lord. Watch. Nimrod was a mighty hunter before the Lord, in God's sight. What does that mean? Well, what I want you to know is that the word there in Hebrew literally means in the face of. So before the flood, the world was corrupt in the face of God. Nimrod was a mighty hunter in the face of. Of God. Let me put it to you in an even more clear way. When we young guys play basketball, um, really, you, you laugh. No, I, yeah, you got to pray for my knee because I like to play basketball and like to get back out there, and I do still consider myself young. But we say when we make a shot and someone's guarding us and they got their hand in our face, we go, in your, come on, does anybody play in your, in your, what does that mean? It means defiance. It means 
you know what? You can't hold me. That's what Nimrod is saying. That's what the world was saying to God. You can't hold me. You can't tell us what to do. In your face, God. He's hunting in God's face. You say, but that doesn't make sense. Stay with me on this. Stay with me. Keep going. So, are you with me? So he was a mighty hunter in God's face. So I'm going to put that in the next verse. Cush fathered Nimrod. He was the first on the earth to be a mighty man. Now the word mighty, he uses it twice because every time that God uses the word twice, he's trying to bring your, word, your emphasis to it. And so he's, the word there is gibor, which is the same word that he uses when he says they were Nephilim, they were mighty, they were gibor. That means their DNA had been changed. I wish I had time to re-preach the message I preached a year and a half ago when God really highlights that the reason he picked Noah because his generations were perfect. They had not been corrupted. Now, why would fallen angels corrupt the human race? Because at the fall, God said, through the seed of a woman, I will crush you, Satan. Satan goes, oh, yeah? Then let me corrupt her seed. It filled the earth, except for Noah. He was perfect. Noah was perfect? No, he wasn't perfect. So what was God trying to highlight? I'll tell you what he was trying to highlight. He was trying to highlight his DNA. This is significant, but keep going with me, okay? So... So these Nephilim are mighty. These Nephilim are in the, in the... So are you telling me that Nimrod... Yeah, I think Nimrod had something to do with being a hybrid of some sort. And he was the first in those days after the flood. And so what does he propose to do? Well, first I want to go to Genesis 9. Genesis 9, 2 through 3. Are you with me? Genesis 9, 2 through, th- 2 through 3. The fear of you, man, and the dread of you, man, man and woman, shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens and upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea. Into your hand they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. Can I get an Amen. We have every right to eat steak. That's just the truth. I mean, listen to what the Bible says. God is saying, stop with the nonsense of being, oh, I'm a, let me not go there because I'm going to offend somebody. Let me me not go there because I'm going to offend somebody. Just read your word. Every time you got an opinion, I'm like, what's the word say? What's the word say? I'm not saying you don't have to. I'm just saying that everyone else who does, Amen. Here we go. Into your hand, they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything now. You can eat salad. You can eat steak. You can eat it all. So you you can have a well-balanced meal. Now watch this. But you shall not eat flesh with its life. That is its blood. You can't drink blood. Every occultic group violates this. Every one of them. 
violates this. You know what else I believe Nimrod was doing? I believe he was, he was eating the flesh with the blood still in it. You know what else I believe he was doing? I believe he was violating the very next command. The very next command is do not take human life. Right there in the very next verse. I wish I had put it up here, but I have so many verses, I just forgot to do it. If you read it in your Bible, it says, do not violate this command. Life is precious. Do not take human life, for I will, I will charge you life for life. That's what God says. And then he goes on to say this. Stay with me. Are you with me? He says in verses 1 and 7 of that chapter 9 where he's saying, I'm going to give you the right to hunt. So the hunting's not the problem. Watch what the problem is. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be what? Fruitful and multiply and what? What? Turn to your neighbor and say, fill the earth. Fill the earth. That means have babies and move about the country. <laughs> right? That's what the Bible is saying. Fill the earth. Now, what did Nimrod say to do? We're not going to fill the earth. We're going to stay in one place. We're going to build a tower to our name in defiance of God so that we won't be scattered. That's what he says. Not only that, I believe he's hunting humans that oppose him. Can I tell you, every antichrist that has come has hunted humans that oppose them. You go... Why do you call them antichrist? Because that's exactly what they are, and they're, they're Satan's uh, protégés. They're Satan's uh, attempt. He'll get it right on the final one. No, he won't. He'll be destroyed, but, 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 he, but, but his final one is coming. Hitler has killed millions who opposed him. Lenin killed millions who opposed him. Stalin killed millions who opposed him. Mao killed millions that opposed him. Every Antichrist will kill those and hunt them down that oppose him. And the Bible says the Antichrist, the Nimrod that is coming, will hunt in the face of God those that oppose him and stand for Christ. And that's exactly what he was doing. He was breaking every bit of chapter 9. That is why he earned the title, the one that rebels against God. The one that rebels against God. Can I tell you what the Antichrist's name is? The one who rebels, the lawless one. That's his name. This is the command that God gave Adam and Eve before the flood. Watch this. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. It's right there. He gave them the same decree after the flood in chapter 9. But this is what Nimrod decided. Verse, chapter 11, verse 1. Stay with me. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of, in that where the Bible tells us Nimrod went to settle and, and create the, the town of, or the city of Babel which would be known as the, the, the city of Babylon. He, they settled there, and they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had bricks for stone and bitumen for mortar. 
Now, that is the same stuff that you use to waterproof a boat or to waterproof something. Why would they need to waterproof their tower? This was right after the what? The flood. Can you see what he's doing in God's face? I'll show you. You'll never flood us again. You won't scatter us. Not this time. I got you. They called it a great work. Do you realize that Satan is still up to this so-called great work, which is known in Latin as magnum opus? There's still people touting the great work that will go into the new world order that will, that, that will redefine society. It's called the great work. There's books written. Evil people plotting on how they will bring mankind under one rule. Oh, not to oppress them. Of course not. We just know what's best for you. We won't hunt you unless you get out of line. Then we hunt you in the face of God. Some of you are going, ah, pastor. Well, stay with me. Stay with me. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its tops to the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves. That's the third one. So I talked about what? Mighty. I talked about um, not, not just mighty, but I talked about in the face of. Now I'm going to talk about name, okay? Let us make a name. Now, do you remember when I was reading about the Nephilim, it says Nephilim were in those days, right? And after. And it says they were mighty men, men of great stature, the this and that. And then it finishes the verse with saying men of renown. The word renown is the same word used in this verse where they said, let us make a name for ourselves. That's the third indication that God is saying, here's the after. Here's the after. The word for name is Shem. There it is right there, Shem. The word for renown is of name. They were men of name. Does that make sense? Men of name. Let us make a Shem for ourselves. The Nephilim were Hashem. Hashem. What does this matter? Oh, it matters. Watch. Let me show you. Here's the three points where God is saying they were before. The same thing that happened before is happening after the flood. Why? Because he might have wiped out the hybrids and the human race, but he did not wipe out Satan because Satan isn't on this physical earth in physical presence being drowned by physical water. He lives in the second heaven. This is why let's said, let us build a tower to the heavens. This is who they're honoring, Satan. But, but, but stay with me on this. God is saying before and after because he's still up to his same sorry little game. 
I'll show you plain and clearly. He's still up to his same sorry little game, having us be selfish. Let us do for ourselves. Let us build a name for ourselves. Let us be about what we build with our own hands, like it's really going to last. And God laughs in the heavens, saying all of that is passing away. And that's why he says the world and its lusts and all that you think you can obtain will pass away. Only what's done for Christ shall remain. Amen? There will be one name under heaven that will be honored, and it's his name. And this is where you see it. But keep going with me. Remember I said the word for name is what? What is, what is Noah's son that is blessed? His name is Shem. Do you realize right after the flood? I mean, I mean talking, I'm not, excuse me, excuse me. Right after the Tower of Babel, right after the Tower of Babel, you want to know what God goes into? He goes into the genealogy of Shem. And he tells you, he says, these guys were trying to make a name for themselves. Watch, let me take a faithful son of Noah, and from his line, I'm going to take it all the way to Abraham. And from Abraham, we'll go to the name above all names, Jesus Christ, because only my name will be glorified in the earth. That's what he's saying. He's saying to the devil, sit down. Not in my house. You only operate because I give you room for a purpose, but I will squash you when the time is right. It's right there. It's awesome, isn't it? That's an awesome thing where he says, let me take this Shem, show you how I will bring a humble descendant named Abraham, not the one that wants to go higher, but one that humbles himself lower, because when you humble yourself, God will raise you up. And watch what he does for Abraham. This is the promise to Abraham. Now the Lord said to Abram, get out from your father's country, right? From your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I don't want you dwelling in Canaan, in Babylon. That's always been the message to Christians. Come out of Babylon, Christians. Be different. You are a holy nation, a royal priesthood. You have been dedicated for more than the enemy's plan. Stop dabbling in the occult. Stop dealing with dark nonsense. Come out. That's the message. Some say, oh, I don't. I just like watching all these horror movies. I just put this stuff up in different places. Stop it. It's go time. It's go time. God is dealing with this today. And you don't want to be on the wrong side of that. I promise you. Be consecrated. It is better to say, Lord, I care nothing about that world. I want to please you and you only, God. You're the only one I care about. My heart belongs to you. I marry you and you alone. I have no other lovers. Come on. That's what he's talking. Okay, I, I get too excited about holiness because it's, it's important to God. It's important to God. I'm sick of these numbskulls and nimrods and all these. Look. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. You think God is specifically talking about Babel? 
Yes, he's talking about Babel. Right after the Tower of Babel, we will make a great name for ourselves. He says, no, 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 no. I'm going to take a humble man, make his name great. And his name is Abraham. Father Abraham, everyone in the world knows who Abraham is. Everyone. I don't care if you're a Muslim, a Christian, a, a Jew. You know who Abraham is. Watch this. And shall bless, be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Chapter 17, verse 6, an extension of this blessing. I will make you exceedingly what? Fruitful. Can you see what God is saying? They refuse to multiply and fill the earth, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. Then I'll do it with you, Abraham, because you will obey. It's right there. You think it's coincidental? When... When Nimrod said, in your face, God, God said, you little bug, I'll show you that my will shall be done. And he raised up Abraham. So let's keep going. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its tops in the heavens. You go, Pastor, you've been going through it like... Yeah, I'm just highlighting every single part of this great verse. Here we talk about with its tops to the heavens. I truly believe they weren't unsophisticated simpletons trying to build just a tower that is so many feet tall. I believe they were trying to reach a stargate, a portal, something into another realm, another dimension. You see this every time you turn on the television, they're talking about this and that, about the ancients had uh, technology and, and mathematics and, and, a, and an understanding that we don't get today. That more than likely they were reaching out to something. I believe he was reaching out to the demonic forces that caused the Nephilim problem. And this is where he was going in the face of God, rebelling against God. So God says this, and the Lord came down to see the city. Come on. How significant is this story if the Lord comes down? Come on. How significant is this story if the Lord comes down? Can I tell you the next time he comes down is when he destroys the Antichrist and the third Babylon? He's coming down again. And so the Lord comes down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, behold, they are one people, and they all have, what, one language. And this is only the beginning of their rebellion. They'll do far more. And nothing that they, what, propose to do will now be impossible for them to do. Can I tell you, we've reached that point of Babel again. Genetic manipulation. Transhumanism. I'm going to talk a lot more about that next week. Genetic manipulation, transhumanism, in the face of God, saying, Lord, I know you, built, you made me a male, but I'm going I'm to be female in your, in your face. Not only that, I'm going to spread it to children, and I'm going to mutilate them in your face. Oh, it, it, it's, we're at the point again. You think God's going to come down? Well, that's why I'm preaching this message, because the second coming is coming. The second coming is coming. 
Therefore, um, so the Lord dispersed them. Come, let us go down. Uh, Let us confuse their language that they may not be able to understand each other's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from all over the face of the earth, right? From there over the face of the earth, and they left off building the city. So they stopped building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel. Because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. Can I tell you something beautiful? The Lord confused the language, and then through Jesus Christ, he brings us to the day of Pentecost, and he unites them by one heavenly language when they speak in tongues at the day of Pentecost. They were confused because they couldn't understand each other. When God comes, the world is confused because now they can understand each other under the Holy Spirit miracle of God. And he brings us together in his church. Now, I want to share some things because the seven feasts have something to do with this whole story. Watch. The Passover indicates when Jesus was crucified. Unleavened bread feast is when Jesus was buried. The first fruits feast was when Jesus, what? Was resurrected. You count 50 days from Passover and you have Pentecost. 50 days. This is from Old Testament. How do I know it's from Old Testament? Because it's right there in God's word. You shall count 50 days to the day. After what? After Passover. 50 days. And you shall bake with leaven. Whoa, wait a minute. God never asked his people to put yeast into bread. What is this about? This is indicating a foreshadowing of Pentecost, the start of the what? The, thank you. Someone's been listening. The start of the? The start of the? Where did the church start? The church started with the Holy Spirit coming down at Pentecost. And that is why the Bible says use leaven. Because he's foreshadowing. The Gentiles were considered unclean. The Gentiles were considered outside. The Gentiles were considered sinful, which is what leaven represents. But now I want you to bring it and put it in the bread. Why? Because the Gentiles will have promise with you too, Jewish people. Oh my. If that doesn't fire you up, your wood is wet. That's great. I mean, this is beautiful. God is saying, watch, I'm showing you hints in every facet of my word. Okay. Let's keep going. Then he says to them in Exodus, watch this, and be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. What is he talking about here? This is what he's talking about. He's talking about after the past, after, The Passover took place in Exodus. Remember? What was the Passover? I need you to take a sinless, spotless lamb. Take its blood. Mark the doorpost of your home. And when you mark the doorpost of your home, the angel of death will pass you over. And the very next day, they were set free from Egypt. They were set free from what? From building these towers that were a remnant from from Nimrod in Egypt, because everywhere the people went, they continued to build these silly towers in Egypt too. And here they're slaves building 
bricks. Can I tell you? Jesus Christ set you free from being a slave to brick building in Satan's system. How so? Let me describe to you what brick brick building is. Brick building is, oh, I want this. I want that. Materialism. Trying to build a name for yourself. Trying to do this and that that won't last. Look towards Christ. Look towards Christ. That's the only thing that will last. Jesus Christ set you free from that. And so watch. He sets them free at Passover. 47 days, they go through the desert and they show up at Mount Sinai on the 47th day. He says, three days, prepare, because I'm coming down on the 50th day. Can you see how it points to Pentecost? On the 50th day, Jesus said, be ready because the Holy Spirit comes down that he might dwell among you, that he might dwell in you. Church, you are the fulfillment of that prophecy. You are. You're a direct You're a direct contradiction to what the Antichrist is about. The Antichrist in the face of God wants you to be slaves building bricks in a worldly system that will not last. But God says, you're not a brick builder. Instead, you are a holy living stone, is what the Bible says in the New Testament. You are a living stone that he fashioned by his love, and you are being built together in his house, not an unholy tower but a holy temple of God. A holy temple of God when we come together and he fills us with his Holy Spirit. Do you get the symbolism here? It's amazing. It's amazing. That's what Christianity is about. We go against the Antichrist system. You say, oh, pastor, I just, I just don't get it. Uh, we want to build to the heavens. We want to build above. Let me, let me share a couple more things with you. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12 says, How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn. How you are cut down to the ground. He's talking about Satan. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning when he rebelled against God. God said, out of my sight. I saw him fall like lightning. Hit the heart, he hit the earth so hard, I believe that's what gives us our current tilt. Hit it so hard. Took him thousands of years just to figure out who he was and where he was. I don't think he still has it right. You said in your heart, I will ascend to what? Heaven. Above, oh, you don't have this. Above the, look, I will ascend to heaven. That's two. Above the stars. That's four. How many references to above? I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I mean, this guy is so filled with pride. It's all about height. Now do you see why the Antichrist through Nimrod was saying, I'm going to build me a tower to reach through the heavens? Because he wanted to be something great. Yet Abraham said, no, thy will be done, Lord. Thy will be done, Lord. And so this is why the Bible emphasizes in the book of Ephesians that God is the father of all who is above all. Don't get it twisted. This is why the Bible tells us when the Antichrist reveals himself, let no one deceive you in any way. 
For that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. There's got to be a spirit that begins to rebel, and you see that the church is being separated. That's why I'm telling you it's time to come out, take things seriously, because you don't want to be on the wrong side of history. It's right there. And the man of lawlessness, the one who rebels in God's face, will be revealed. The son of destruction who opposes and exalts himself. Exalts himself. You go, but pastor, that still doesn't tell me why you think that Babylon will be reborn. The reason I think it'll be reborn is you see it coming together and you see Revelation 17 being fulfilled. Read Revelation 17 with me. The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to rise from the bottomless pit. Nimrod was, and he kind of went away for a minute, but he's back. And in fact, I want to, he's coming together again. You have people talking about Nimrod, Ninurta, Marduk, Baal, Moloch, Zeus, Jupiter, Baphomet. They're all the same despicable, evil, antichrist God. In fact, you see witchcraft. I don't care what flavor you get. It all gets traced back to Babylon and Nimrod. All of it, including the new age variety of Neapolitan. You go Neapolitan, what do you mean? I was making a reference to uh, flavors. Never mind. (laughs) Watch what the European Union has done within this past two decades. They've been building. They built a European parliament in Strasbourg, France. They went on record saying that their inspiration was the Tower of Babel by Brugal, the Renaissance uh, artist in uh, 1563 is when he lived and he painted this picture and that was their inspiration. Let me show you their advertisement for this. Tower of Babel, Europe, many tongues, one voice. See the European stars there. Now this is constantly changing, but what doesn't change is the message they're, they're trying to get out loud and clear. Why isn't the star right side up? Why is, are the horns of the, uh, of the goat accentuated? Because it's demonic. It's demonic. Come out of Babylon. Come out of Babylon before it's too late. Count yourself for the, for the king of glory. Be sure. I can show you sign after sign after sign after sign. These are just a few. Just a few. I can show you that Damascus was bombed the other day. Isaiah 17.1 says that Damascus before Christ returns and it's all over, it will be wiped off the face of the earth. Israel's threatening to do it every day. <laughs> They've had enough. NASA reporting on asteroids every day. The book of Revelation says that asteroids are going to hit this earth before the end. 600 Levites are being trained for temple worship. Why would you train 600 priests if you don't have a temple? Wow. 
because the temple's coming real soon. The red heifers are still doing fine. The red heifers have to be uh, a certain age, and they have to go through the ceremony of what? Purifying the altar. Well, if you have the heifers and you have the uh, priests, and it has to happen within a certain time frame, and if the heifers turn out to be right, then this temple could be, could be up before you know it. I'll just leave it at that. The European Jew, I mean, excuse me, the Ethiopian Jews, it's predicted in God's word, would be called back to Israel. They're called back. The Capitol building of the parliament, I just showed you. The dead, what I didn't tell you is that, oh, never mind. I, I, I'll tell you that next week. Russia and Syria have come into a treaty and a formal agreement to rebuild the arch of uh, Baal, or also known as Nimrod, where he, they did sacrificial pagan worship. They're rebuilding it as we speak. How about this? The Dead Sea, for the first time, has found to have fish. Read your Bible. The Bible says that when Jesus returns, the Dead Sea will be teeming with life. He will bring what was dead to life. And it's starting to happen now. How about this? The Dead Sea turned blood red on this last day of atonement. How about this? 172 species of birds, predatory birds, many of them are being discovered that they're starting to migrate through Israel. Now, why is that important? Because when these great battles take place, the Bible says that the birds of the air and the beasts of the fields will clean up the dead. And scientists are going, where are all these birds coming from? God is calling them to position. Amen? Amen. Do you hear what I'm saying here, guys? Do you hear what I'm saying? The Euphrates is drying up. Go read. No one, no one reported on this because we were too busy invading Iraq. But during, I believe it's 2003, the Euphrates had started to dry up. It's dried up a whole lot more since then. There's some specific prophecies that I'll cover about the Euphrates River, but that's where they discovered the ancient city where Gilgamesh and giants were buried in 2003 in Iraq. The old Babylon. Many people believe that, that Gilgamesh, who was a giant, you should see pictures of him or, or carvings where he has a lion like a little, like a little cat by, by his head like this. Like a man would grab a fool, uh, uh, you know, a house cat. That's how he has a lion. Gilgamesh was Nimrod. Many believe Gilgamesh was Nimrod. He's found in every culture, this antichrist figure, and he will be rebirthed. Why? Because he, the ancient mystery religions are being brought back in the form of new age. It's right there. It's right in front of you if you look. Oh, come on. You say, pastor, then what am I supposed to do? Next week, I'm going to give you specifics on how the trans agenda and the pornography agenda and all of these agendas are being used to advance this mystery religion because ultimately the mystery religion depends on the sex cult facet of their religion. What do I mean by that? Satan knows what the Bible says is true. 
Every other sin happens out there, but sexual sin happens in here. And so I don't care what it is. You know it's going to have sexual deviancy towards it because it wants to, the new age religion of the Antichrist wants to pervert what God has done in your heart. And that has called you to be a child of God. You say, okay, pastor, then what do I do? I've been pretty clear. Come out. Be holy. Be counted for the Lord. Get excited. And I want you to see what's happening to Foundation. We're growing. You know why we're growing? Because I think your heart beats for your king. I think you know it's go time. I think you know when the Bible says the name of the Lord is a, come on, read it right there. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. You don't need a Nimrod tower. You have the name of the mighty King of glory. His name is Jesus. It's mighty to save. It's mighty to heal. It's mighty to set you free. It's mighty to do whatever you need. Come on, it's time to get excited. Your king draws near. He draws near. In the name of Jesus, I love you, church. I love you. Don't miss next week. Don't miss next week. Let your heart begin to pound for your Lord. Say, no, no, I'm not a slave. I'm not a slave to bricks and mortar and nonsense. I'm building a kingdom that lasts forever. And I do it for his glory. And that's why I pray in the name of the mighty King of glory, Lord Jesus. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give me this day, Lord, whatever I need. I don't need much, Lord. I just need enough to do what you've called me to do in your name. Forgive me of my sin. Help me to forgive others. Lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from evil. Keep me far from Babylon, Lord. Let my heart be purely yours. In Jesus' name, be the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. With one voice. Thank you for dying on the cross for us, Lord. Come quickly. Church, I love you. Have a great, great week.